Are you one of the only on your job? Do you wonder why the same type of people continue getting promotions? Have you dreamed of getting to the top but don't know how? Welcome to Secrets, a podcast devoted to showcasing dilemmas faced by underrepresented employees in their quest to climb the career ladder. Your hosts, Keith Powell and Ricky Robinson, have experienced the corporate grind for more than 20 years. Now they want to share adventures, pitfalls, and C-suite secrets that they've learned along the way. So let's fill up those cups and get started. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Secrets. Ricky, how you doing today? What's on your mind, brother? I'm doing well, man, but a bit disappointed, to be honest with you, because I think the corporate America missed a moment, man. I mean, given that it's been a year of increased social consciousness and we're right on the end of Hispanic Heritage Month, I'm disappointed because I think companies didn't try to seize the moment. You know, they missed a bit of an opportunity to add more Hispanics and Hispanic heritage individuals, I should say, to key board seats or C-suite roles. It was just a total ball drop for me, in my opinion. Yes. Well, guess what, Ricky? We're in luck today because we have an authority on issues that are being faced by Hispanic employees in corporate America joining us today. We got Andre Arbaelias joining us today. So, Andre, welcome to the show, my friend. And uh, for our listeners who don't know you, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, thank you very much for having me on the show. I really look forward to this discussion. I am a proud American of Hispanic descent, Colombian-blooded, as we say, 100%, thanks to my parents, and really been blessed. Been in the corporate America for over 25 years and worked for small, medium, and large corporations and really have been engaged in the last 20 years deep in the Hispanic community from small businesses and big businesses and really getting involved in the elevation of their careers. So I've become a national expert in the Hispanic community. I've been fortunate to be at the White House now eight times, four times each for the last two administrations, and as well as I've spoken at United Nations several times during Hispanic leadership summits. So we got the guy today, Ricky. <laughs> I know, I know. I mean, we got a little bit lucky today, man. So Andre, it's a absolute pleasure having you with us today. We've had a chance to connect with you, to rap with you a little bit. And at this point, I consider you to be a brother, man. I'm also happy that you're going to be along for this ride with us today. And it it is a ride. You know, we, we ride it and take it wherever it takes us. Maybe you'll have a cocktail with us today and we'll be able to get that truth serum in you so you can uh, spit the real for our listeners today as well. I got the Detroit street cred since I was born below eight miles. So I'm <laughs> that's a real street cred. Yeah. <laughs> so in this episode today, man, we're going to uh, be speaking with uh, Andre. We'll discuss dilemmas faced by Hispanic employees in the workplace, particularly challenges faced by Hispanics in reaching senior level positions. We'll also provide you with receipts, as we always do, on the unique challenges faced by Hispanic employees today. We'll then close out with Andre being able to help us as we provide a double dose of secrets, three secrets for Hispanic employees in trying to climb the corporate ladder, and then three secrets for corporations on how to make their workplace more inclusive for Hispanic employees. So, hey, man, let's let's dive in. 
Yeah, for sure. For sure. And Andre, just to kick us off with our interview piece here today, you just talked about living below eight mile. I actually lived in Detroit for a little while. I started my career in Detroit, actually living in Southfield. I actually lived across the border in Windsor and Ontario for a little bit. So I know exactly what you're talking about. So you talked a little bit below eight mile, Colombian descent. Tell us a little bit more of your story. How'd you grow up? You know, those types of things. Well, I think in the Hispanic community, we have, and this explains where I come from, we are broken down into two groups, according to the Pew Hispanic Research Center. One is transactional, and that represents Mexico and Central America. Those Hispanics from that community, from that geographic area, traditionally come to the United States in a cash-type career. Now, I'm generalizing, but I'm using data here to show that mindsets of working in in restaurants, family-owned restaurants in particular, is a big part of the community, as well as obviously migrant farm work is a big core of that community. A lot of it is because a lot of non-educated Latinos come into into the country from that perspective. The other side that the Pew Hispanic Research talks about is strategic. And those are the often South Americans that fly to the United States and come already pre-educated or come with a home culture of education. And that way they have entered corporate America much faster from that perspective. Both my parents were hardworking, searching the American dream. And when we came here for the very first time in 1967, My parents did jobs that they didn't necessarily want to do, but it was the opportunity to come to the United States. And when we returned back, and I was born during that time frame here in the Detroit area, but when we came back to the United States in 1975, my parents had worked really hard and wanted to live the American dream of just doing what you can, you know, and holding themselves individually responsible. That mindset is very pervasive in the Hispanic community. You know, my mom started selling Avon although she was an English, you know, a Spanish teacher. And I recall my one of my first memories was helping her pack lipsticks and, and shampoos and perfume in the right bags for the right customers. Uh, and eventually she started her own language company that has now been in existence 37 years. And it's that mindset that we really treasure of individual responsibility, importance of the family, these Judeo-Christian values of helping others out really hold very in ferment to what we believe what the United States is, this great melting pot. So that's the mindset of a lot of Hispanics, even strategic and transactional. We do meld with that mindset. That's great stuff. Great information, Andre. Man, it sounds you know obvious to me that based on your upbringing, you know, the hard work and that Detroit fighting spirit, that's now all ingrained into your DNA. But perhaps you can touch on the personal dilemmas that you faced climbing the corporate ladder. I know it has to be interesting, given that it's not very many black or brown people in executive leadership positions. And at times it can feel like the weight of the race is on, you know, on our shoulders. What were some of the unique challenges that you personally faced? A lot of it is you feel like you're the first. And when you're in the first type role, you don't want to really come in and really make too much noise. 
So one of the traits that we have in our communities, we're very humble and we're very loyal. And so we don't really knock down those barriers as much as we should, because that's not in our nature. We feel, oh, thank you so much for letting me work for you, versus being more aggressive and like you should be promoting me at a faster rate mindset. And it is, and particularly in in the Hispanic community, when you enter corporate America, you don't want to be known as the quota Hispanic. You want to be known as just a hardworking individual. So we have the unique ability to blend in kind of the corporate America mindset and the corporate America look where people would be confused what we are. And so we're just very humble to, you know, we just don't want to make waves. That's a hundred percent of what my, you know, my father's mentality was. So you're always grateful for the opportunity and you just work hard and sometimes even harder than others to really show that you can do it. I know I, I took a role where I had to travel around the world and be away from my house sometimes three weeks at a time. So I miss things that my kids were doing when they were at young ages, but I did it for the sacrifice of it's my opportunity. I got to do it because nobody else is stepping up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, looking back at that, those are all, I think, wonderful experiences that makes me a better executive and saw my American non people of color executives didn't feel like they had to do as much. Sure. You know? Sure. But it is, but that's culture. Yep. Mm-hmm. Now that, that makes total sense. So Andre, in some of our past episodes, we've touched on issues dealing with external static where we have to balance issues outside of work and still have to come into the office and perform as if those issues don't even exist. But in an earlier discussion with you, it was a bit of an aha moment for me, like hearing it, but you mentioned that there were additional challenges that you all face in your community that I wanted to kind of touch on a bit today. Some of those challenges were actual cultural differences that employees face. Some issues about assimilation, trying to be a part of a community or maybe trying really hard to fit in. Also being viewed as maybe a monolithic group or dealing with racism and microaggressions and whatnot. I mean, not different than any other black and brown people, but you specifically spoke on these for the Hispanic community. And I thought those were great. Would you mind touching on that a bit for us today? Sure. I mean, within our culture, even within the Hispanic community, often the way that we separate ourselves, there's always these hierarchies. And we have uh, 26 countries in Latin America, and each country has their own set of hierarchies. And we have to work through that model because it's ingrained in our DNA. It's ingrained through family stories, often led by our grandmother who carries the stories throughout. But it is, you know, a lot of it in Latin America is based upon the amount of European blood versus Indian blood. So in Central America, the term is mestizo, which is comes out of the Mayan cultures as well as in Latin America, in South America, you have Incan blood. And you get, sometimes for us Latinos, it's very easy to judge somebody immediately because we can spot it in their structure, in their facial structure. So we have these implicit biases that kick in within our own culture based upon that. Now, there have been stars that have come through, when I say stars in 
stars in corporate America, regardless of that background, but it's still predominant in that initial mindset. And we have to be better about that. And I always like to joke, as soon as we get good about that, we have something called the World Cup. When the World Cup happens, man, we are hating on each other. (laughs) It's over. It's lights out. (laughs) You know, Andre, as I hear you speak about these issues, I can't help but think about how in African-American culture, sometimes skin tone is a heavy topic of discussion or even Black in black and brown households that we often are teased for speaking proper. You know, we may hear something like, oh, you speak like a white person versus us just having a good command of the English language and speaking correctly. Sounds like for me, those are very similar issues that you see in your in your culture as well. Is that true? Yes, they are. They're very similar. And obviously, the uh, as I mentioned earlier, being the first, I was the first one in my family to be college educated. Then my sister followed through right after three years later. But it is those mindsets that you help your parents with as they trust. And then, you know, it's important that you set the foundation of proper mentality, behavior, values amongst your children. And then you employ that, you employ that in the office as well, those values. And you hope others share those values. And I One thing that I'm very confident of in corporate America is they try to do a real good job at aligning those values in your, in the workforce and create groups with like the employee resource groups where you can find people of like mindset and just confirm or find out if it doesn't work in your company that those values exist. So there is, I'm very happy to say companies are spending a lot of time and effort and money bringing in experts to make sure a diverse workforce works very well with each other. Yeah, well, that's that's good stuff. And as we've talked about, getting up to the top is a goal for all of us and busting through. And I, I had the honor way back in my career, I was chief of staff to our CEO at Kodak and Antonio Perez. So Antonio was able to bust through the ceiling at HP and then came over to be CEO at Kodak. And he talked a lot about how hard it is and how he always tried to make sure that he was pulling Hispanic people along with him and being a role model for those. And I know in the work that you've done, in creating the Hispanic C-Suite Corporate Council that you just launched a, a couple years back is also designed to help bring Hispanic employees along. What was your motivation for starting HC3 and what's the work that it's doing now? What, what are some of the, the focus areas for that organization? Yes. So in about 2007, I started and I was with an organization called HITECH, the Hispanic IT Executive Council. It had four great co-founders. And they modeled an organization called ITSMF, which is the Information Technology Senior Management Forum that fostered the advancement of African-American technology executives. And they have done a marvelous job over the years and have great presence, great leadership, and great development within their organization. When we started high-tech, the Hispanic IT Executive Council, we modeled it right after ITSMF and worked closely with them to make sure we were making all the right moves. And they were wonderful in bringing us along 
even to the, the some of us that doubted that we could do this, because a lot of us had just seen West Side Story, and um, okay, we got the Jets versus the Sharks, but um, <laughs> but what we found was at this level, our communities are very like minded, and I think that is not uh, that is not celebrated, not elevated, and not seen enough in corporate America. All these companies we have as sponsors, but they do just, the events are different, but the the values are the same at this level. I think this is where the difference happens, where the change happens, not only looking outward towards corporate America, but also inward towards our own communities. Because one of the challenges that we have seen in the Hispanic world is that often we have lack of role models at high levels. And one of the challenges that's unique to the Hispanic community is often those Hispanic C-suite executives often regress or regress their Hispanic identity to be a CEO or C-level executive for everyone. It's much different when you're an African-American executive. You walk in a door, bam, there it is. You can't hide it. Can't hide from our yeah, That's right. Can't hide. Yeah. <laughs> Hispanic executives can blend in and not have that, some of those biases kick in right away of being labeled. And we'll sometimes overplay that blandness sometimes to be the CEO for everyone. And I've seen that and heard that directly from from these type of executives in discussions. So it creates a challenge because they sometimes hide. You know, we were uh, talking in the pre-show with Keith about Pacific Gas and Electric, and the former CEO of PG&E was a Latina named Geisha Williams. One would never know that she was Latina because her name doesn't give it at all, give it away at all. You know, so it, it is, and, and I would say, it was unfortunate she wasn't as visible either in the Hispanic community. I received one of the highest honors in the Hispanic community, what they call a Maestro Award, in San Francisco. And she was slated to be honored at the same time I was, and I was all very excited for it, but she refused the award. So that is difficult because when you have particularly a, a Latina female CEO that inspires exponentially to a community that needs that. And uh, when they decline, it becomes, you know, I always talk to my executives and say that you have to have a responsibility in your role to help the next generation. That's why I'm always focused on the term push up and pull up because you got to pull up that next generation, then let them know you're there, you're engaged and you can sponsor. And that goes back to challenges in the Hispanic community in corporate America is, we just don't have as much engagement from a sponsorship perspective of an executive saying, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to guide you. I'm going to mentor you. We see that stronger in the African-American community than we do in the Hispanic community. So that is something we have yet to fully grasp and learn from. And also one of the key things that we need more is to get more engaged in leadership training. We're sometimes too shy to engage in that. And our companies pay organizations like the Executive Leadership Council that does a great job in training mid-level and going to higher levels African-Americans. And they do, a, it's, it's fantastic. And you talk to the diversity inclusion executives and they say, this is one of the reasons why we're engaged because they can physically track with metrics 
that once an employee goes to this leadership training, they progress in their career much faster than when they don't. That's very interesting. That's very interesting. So yeah, it is. It's all these things are reasons why we need to to get together and celebrate, elevate. And I always like to say in a great way, because it's true, I was watching on Facebook what was happening with ELC, the Executive Leadership Council, and I had seen them celebrating with John Legend at their gala. And I'm like, I got upset, not upset in the jealous way, but upset in the envious way of like, oh, man, the brothers got John Legend. I got to get Bruno Mars. There you go. <laughs> Yeah, so it is that mindset that I got really aggressive and talked to not only Hispanic but African-American executives, and they all were very supportive of launching the Hispanic C-Suite Corporate Council. Wow, this is great, man. Keith, as we as we think about some of the, the challenges that Andre had to overcome, what would you summarize you know, for our listeners as the moral to the story today? Yeah, this has been very interesting. It's, it's great learning for me too, Andre. So I appreciate it. And it's for me, the moral really, as I'm thinking and processing this, that on the surface, really, it's it's easy to group all minorities together and just call us all people of color under one umbrella and just kind of mush it all together. But as Andre has been pointing out, there's layers here and Hispanic employees just kind of face their own set of unique challenges in the workplace that we all need to be aware of. So that's what stepped out for me and listening to it so far. And Keith, just to double click on this just a bit more, there are some obvious negative outcomes that can occur if these trends continue. The first thing that comes to mind for me, man, is as Andre stated, there will be a continued lack of opportunity and representation if we don't mentor, if we don't actually increase mentorship, you know, and sponsorship. Secondly, I also think about this uh, negative outcome. I think that there will be a continued pay and wealth gap. There already exists one today, but there will, that will continue. And we know that once you start from a deficit, it's virtually impossible to catch up without an intentional focus on the issue. For sure. For sure. And then there's that, the whole just kind of lost market opportunity for U.S. companies by not tapping into the buying power of the Hispanic community and really understanding those markets and the layers of those markets and the nuances of, of talking to, marketing to, selling to all of these various communities. There's a huge potential lost market opportunity, but not engaging. And if the, the things just kind of stay where they are, which is what we're trying to break through. Hey, Keith, I know it may sound like we're getting emotional, man, and we make some of these things up, but being the data guy that you are, and I see that calculator right next to you right now, and you're punching those numbers, man. Hit our listeners up, man, with some receipts, man. But but this time, let's call on our brother Andre to help us with those this week, man. Let's hit him with those receipts. Yeah, that's cool. And so just well, what, what I'm going to dive into today, just from the receipts perspective, we'll talk about the state of the Hispanic labor force and some of that pay and those pay gaps. And we'll also talk to some of the realities of what it's like to actually be Hispanic in the workplace. So receipt number one, you know, according to the U.S. Census Bureau, you know, Hispanics are the largest minority group in the U.S. now at 18.3%. And the Bureau of Labor Statistics show that Hispanics make up 17% of the labor workforce, 
Yet, the Hispanic Association for for Corporate Responsibility points out that Hispanics only hold 4% of executive positions in in corporate America, and additionally, only 8% of all managerial positions and 6% of professional positions are held by Hispanics. So there's a huge gap there. I know, Andre, if you wanted to chime in a little bit there, but to me, this just seems ridiculous. Yeah, it's sometimes uh, different studies represent different things. Absolutely. So first of all, when it comes to our population, we're now up to about 62 million representing, and we represent 52% of the population growth in the United States. And that's now, it's up, represents 18.7% of the total population. Now, between you and me, I blame the tequila for that success and growth. (laughs) You know what, Andre? I mean, if we just use simple math or the data that we have, (laughs) you know, that we have in front of us, it would suggest that we should have much, much better Hispanic representation in corporate leadership positions. One would think. (laughs) One would think. (laughs) But it's also at the same time the frustration. And it was really came to sometimes where they say sunlight is the biggest disinfectant to challenges in our communities. When the Wells Fargo CEO said he couldn't find enough black talent, that drove a stake in a lot of our hearts and minds because we have worked really hard to create elevation of African-Americans and Hispanics. The challenge is, I don't think the Wells Fargo CEO was being told by his his executives that they're out there. The frustration that we have, I mean, I get very passionate about this. And I talked to a top diversity and inclusion executive yesterday that, that works on a lot of training. And he's actually turned down training with recruiters because recruiters are the least engaging when they should be the most engaging recruiters want to hire fast because they're compensated that way they're not willing to make the effort to look a little deeper to look at traditional places where we are and just work with and then all the biases that kick in whether it's on a resume they just want to hire fast and they don't look for the the right representation, let alone our numbers are way behind. Man, you literally have to be in a bubble not to know that there is talent out there. I mean, in a recent University of Massachusetts Amherst study, it showed that the pay gap between the labor force and executive representation is the highest among any group in the U.S. And cities with the highest levels of Hispanic population have the lowest number of executive representation. I mean, (laughs) the math just doesn't add up to me. Andre, I'm not making this stuff up, man. You and I talked about this. What is this about? I know it's frustrating, but I do see sunlight. Let me share that with you. You know, when you go to cities like Miami, I always like to joke, Miami is the only city in the United States where an American needs a visa to go to because there is a lot of Hispanic representation there, even because it's a launching point. We call it a a gateway to Latin America. But cities like Dallas, Houston, you know, in the South, I tend to see more than in the North. That is for sure. And that is something that I look at all my travels and I go to Hispanic strongholds in the United States where we just have 
a higher population of executives. It's like a, a crescent moon. If you outline the United States, it starts at New York, New York, Washington, Miami. Then you go across to Dallas, Phoenix, LA, San Francisco. That's it. Everywhere else, it's barren wasteland of executives. And even though we have high Hispanic populations in Denver, Chicago, those major cities, they're just not there at the higher levels. So there is a lot of work to do, but there is sunshine too. So there is some hope. Absolutely. And that's why it's great to have an organization like yours that's working to make this happen. And I think our first couple of receipts have pointed out that just like African-Americans, women, LGBTQ community, these gaps just in terms of pay, these gaps just in terms of opportunity are there. And to build on it, just to kind of go into the workforce, we saw a recent study by the Center for Talent Innovation that did a survey around Hispanics, uh, Latinos at work. And it showed that most Latinos in the U.S. do not feel that they can bring their whole selves to work. And they found that the vast majority, 76% of Latinos, repress parts of their persona at work. This is all about bringing your authentic self to work, right? And they modified their appearance and body language and communication style which are all ex- components of executive presence that we've talked about before in, in our podcasts. And that's really one of those intangible elements that defines leadership and what leadership is all about. But again, 63% of Latinos surveyed do not feel welcome or included or invited to share their ideas, don't feel confident that our ideas will be heard or valued. So there's this whole thing about authentic self. And then there's this whole thing about being valued and included that we have to break through as well. And I'm sure you've you've seen that time and time again, Andre. Yeah. And that one's a bit of a, a challenge. And I, I know these numbers and I've seen them across the country. And I think that's where we, even within the Hispanic community, we are challenged with where you're from to have that mindset. I would say the ones that are, because we assimilate so well in corporate culture, I have a challenge that we've modified our appearance or body language. I'm not sure what we do that's so different. We're not bringing the mariachi band into the office. kind right. of thing. So, <laughs> you know, It's a challenge because each culture has their mindset. And understand in the United States of the, what did I say, 60 million, 62 million Hispanics, about 60% of them are Mexican who are very proud of their culture very proud of their heritage and and very passionate about it. But when you come to corporate America, there's a certain way to act and be. If you guys remember the days of companies like EDS and IBM, where you had to wear a blue suit, you know, and tie every day, is that offending your background and culture? It isn't because everybody conformed to that style. I know we've moved to much more open and comfortable mindset, but you know, some companies are still, professional from certain perspectives. So it's uh, that one I don't, I don't want to cross because I see too many executives at the top that are Hispanic, just doing the right things and doing the way corporate America feels comfortable with. You don't always have to rock, you know, block, take down walls to succeed. That's a great point, man. I mean, there are two things that come to mind for me as we speak about what it takes to get to the next level. There is no book, you know, or cliff notes that can accurately tell you exactly what you need to do to get to the next level. What it takes is a leader like you 
who was willing to take people under their wing and mentor them like you do today and have done in your career, which brings me to the last receipt that I'd like to, uh, to point out today. The same study that Keith just spoke about, the CTI study, it points out that Latinos with sponsors are 42% more likely to be satisfied with their career progression than Latinos without sponsors. But a mere 5% of full-time, high-earning Latino professionals in large companies have a sponsor. I mean, again... Andre, is this something that you've experienced or seen in your career? I mean, this sounds a bit ridiculous to me, but again, I consider you to be our resident expert, you know, today. Is this something that you've seen in your career? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I agree with that one. And now it's something that we learned from uh, ITSMF that focused on African-Americans. They had they had what they call the Executive Leadership Academy. And we modeled that that program at high tech into what we call the emerging executive program. And sometimes we would even borrow speakers from the African-American community to speak because obviously there's been more history, more, more learnings there. And that's how you leverage each other to be a better community, to be under better understanding of other mindsets. And we now at high tech, and particularly when I launched the program, that has and to this day still been the most successful element of the program is the mentorship. We took 50 rising stars, particularly in the Hispanic IT community, and mentored, paired them with CIOs, VPs of IT, and some retired executives. And that has been by far a tremendous push to raising our executives forward. But there's still the amount of CIOs keeps climbing every day in corporate America that are Hispanic. And even in as CEOs, we see that number rising. So in the Fortune 500, I think I've counted 15 now in the Hispanic community. So it is uh, still a small number, but growing, growing at a, at a good pace. And our goal at HC3 is to have 50 by 2050. That's great. From an accountability standpoint, that takes me back to our very first point that we started out the discussion today, where I felt it was a missed opportunity as we celebrate Hispanic Heritage Month that I didn't see the activity that would support achieving those aspirational goals that you all have set. We definitely need to hold corporate America accountable. Yeah. And and Ricky, this is obviously a very unique year of 2020. And even in the Hispanic community, discussions are, do we hold back in our efforts a little bit to respect the challenges in the African-American community? So, and there's been so much engagement about social justice by corporations. This is a, a legitimate thing that we respect and want to be supportive of efforts by corporations to do that. So, You'd be surprised how many Hispanics on their social media have gone out of the way to highlight African-American executives, to push them and elevate them up. And I'm very proud to see that because quoting you know, Martin Luther King Jr., you know, we have to lift all boats to rise. And that is something that our communities, particularly at this level of corporate, college-educated individuals, I think we bring a lot of incredible intelligence, passion, and effort into corporate America. Yep. That's great. 
That's great. So what we tried to show in the receipts today was just, you know, just some examples of of different ways that uh, Hispanic employees are impacted in the workplace. And I'm going to tell you now, go get your pen and paper, because this is always the moment that people wait for when we, where we share some of our secrets that we've learned today. And so I'm going to summarize our secrets first. We have, we're going to do another double dose, another double dose today, people. So first, we're going to give you three secrets for Hispanic employees trying to get ahead in corporate America. And then we'll follow that up with three secrets that corporate America should implement to make their workplaces more inclusive for Hispanic employees. I'll summarize the three secrets for Hispanic employees trying to get ahead in, in corporate America today. First, Take advantage of your collective power. Second, partner with other underrepresented groups. And third, seek out those leadership roles. Step out of your comfort zone a little bit. So it's secret number one. As we've been talking about, there's a massive demographic shift that's going on in the U.S., and we encourage the, the Hispanic employees to kind of take advantage of that demographic shift and use your collective power to kind of change some of those those corporate uh, structures uh, that may be in place and be an influential voice in the room, especially when it comes to opening up these new market opportunities, building these new client bases, tying some of those changes, some of those opportunities with your collective power and your collective voice could be really career groundbreaking for you as you're thinking about how to get ahead. And Andre, I don't know if you have any color to add to that, because you've, you've mentioned a few times about how African-American employees have been able to kind of coalesce and use some of their collective power to push things forward. So what, what do you think about that secret? <laughs> There's just a lot of value in understanding. And one of the things that I always joke about is our values comes out a lot in our music. If you listen to our music, a lot of it is about food and love. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, and that is things that we love living life. And they're not very controversial, you know, when it comes to our mainstream music. That mentality applies to the way we work. And when it comes to good corporate citizens, being good Americans, being loyal and wanting to bring others into it. It's just really opening up those doors and asking your Hispanic employees, who else do you know? The network is large because we, wherever we go outside, we look for each other. Like, Hey, is that person Latino? Is that person Hispanic? I'm guilty of it. And I'm, and I take great pride in it because we have to help each other out. And we see that mentality thrive in other communities that support each other, whether it's the Jewish community, where it's the Arab community, whether it's the Korean community, they thrive in supporting each other. And let me add also the Indian community as well, too. So there is a lot to learn. And there's because of the size and strength of our community, we can bring a lot to the table. So it's just peer in. And once you open up, crack open that door, you'll see a lot of uh, incredible people. So, Andre, secret number two comes directly from the points that you mentioned today. Partner with Black and other underrepresented employees to create a multicultural coalition to improve corporate culture and opportunities for career advancement. Again, Andre, you've walked the talk, you know, with your work with employee resource groups and also with the creation of HC3. No, that's exactly it. It's not only is it, I love the term, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. 
and you walk into a room with, and I've done this in Silicon Valley. I've attended multiple Thai events through when they have TaiCon in Santa Clara. And that's where the Indian community and entrepreneurs and executives get together. And you see how they support each other. And it's amazing. I've never been in a room where the discussion is, as you walk through the hallway, do you need to borrow 500 or do you need to borrow a million dollars? I don't see it in the Hispanic community or I don't see it that much in the African-American community either. And it's, but you learn by what they're doing and how they support each other and how they build a pipeline. For example, in Taikan, on the Saturday of their three or four day event, they are encouraged to bring their kids to do shark tanks. And when they bring their kids in, their kids, you know, have been preparing business concepts. So they get into that mindset right away. And I've learned that as applied that to my son, as he has entered his college career and he's already interned at several Fortune 500 companies, including Mercedes-Benz, Amazon. And already next year, he has three, you know, big tech companies vying for his senior or junior year, the senior year internship. And my son's like, I'm going to find the best situation and I'm bringing my friends with me. And here he is. He's a 20-year-old kid already meeting with university recruiters at some of these tech companies, not just volunteering for himself, but bringing his fellow, you know, university students with him. So, you know, how can they do a better job recruiting? Because he's, you know, he feels there's a problem, I can fix it. And I'm going to just do it on my own. Yeah, that encouragement as parents, as leaders, we need to embrace. And I've been very fortunate to see the businesses embrace that mentality. Yeah, no, that's great. And secret number three for for Hispanic employees, and it at the very beginning of our of the podcast, Andre, you pointed out that many members of the Hispanic community tend to be humble, not putting themselves out there, not always the the biggest voice in the room, those types of things. But we would encourage for Hispanic employees to continue to just seek out those leadership opportunities as they, as they come up. And we encourage all, all people who listen to us stepping up, volunteering to lead projects, take on some leadership roles in the community and being visible, you know, seek out those managerial roles that become available. Put that stuff in your employee, employee development plan, right? That you actually have some ambition to to be a manager because sometimes people just may not even know that you want to progress up the ladder and start to make assumptions about you that can hold you back. So for us, we're always encouraging these employees that just step out a little bit. So any thoughts on that? I couldn't agree more. A lot of our executives are come from a mindset of a humble. I keep going back to it, but it's just it is what it is a humble background. And we always share with them, raise your hand. And I think, as you've kind of mentioned, get involved, join volunteer organizations within the company. And I always tell my friends, and if you're going to do work off company, do things that are adjacent to your business community. I come from a world of business development and sales, so I will get involved in charities that I see my clients at. I can kill two birds with one stone. So a key part of that is be intelligent about it. And yes, there is people have great compassion. And I'm a big, big believer of that. And getting involved in your community that maybe just has no outcome for you personally to stay engaged. But also know that 
the wise ones <laughs> do choose wisely the the engagement they have that they can leverage back to their corporations, let alone back to their career. Now, based off the conversation we, that we had with you today, Andre, I'd like to present the three secrets for corporate America that with implementation will be able to make the workplace the workplace a more inclusive place for Hispanic employees. Number one, don't force assimilation. Create an inclusive environment where cultural differences and values are embraced and fully exploited to help increase the customer and client base, as well as improve the bottom line. We've talked about this. Number two, accelerate leadership development programs for Hispanic employees. We've seen, obviously, where we've done this in the past and it works. We'd like to be able to see this happen again in the Hispanic community. And lastly, sponsor Hispanic employees. Andre, what would you like to add or expand upon on this list as we took it from your words earlier today, but obviously the research backs this up as well? What would you like to add? I think you're spot on on all three. So good job listening, Ricky, first of all. What this cocktail, we can listen. <laughs> yeah, but it is, yeah, I, I think is we're such in a great time right now. I listen to a lot of podcasts and people are expressing a lot of nervousness about life, the world we are living in today. And even through, we have survived as a, as a country pretty good, particularly in the corporate world. And yeah, we've had some ups and downs, but it's how you recover. And that's our true character comes out from that perspective. And a lot of great executives have had to step up and and be kind of psychologists, more than just business people, to their teams and to their community. And that's really important as they you show them a positive direction because we can't live in a world of fear. And I think that's something that we take great pride in is being positive and moving forward and and loving this land that we live on. And that's just a core mindset in the Hispanic community. So we'll work twice as hard, extra hard, and move forward and are ready to join corporate America or go further in corporate America and to provide the resources we need to keep growing and expanding this great land of ours. Yeah, that is like the perfect way to wrap the podcast for today. That was a, a great ending there. And Andre, thank you, thank you, thank you for for enlightening us all, dropping some gems along the way. Thank you, Andre, man. We appreciate, you know, the time you spent with us, man. We'll have to keep checking in with you from time to time. Tell your friends and 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 your mentees about secrets and let's uh let's keep this party this 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 party growing, man. Keith, I appreciate you. Listeners, I appreciate you too. Cheers. All right, slowly but surely, we, we're going to change this mug. You know that. And and for our listeners, we really appreciate you all also. The feedback we've been getting has been, been fantastic. We're loving you. Hope you're loving us. And be sure to check us out on our website for more resources on this topic and many others. Um, we got some hot merchandise out there for you now. And coaching is coming soon, so get ready. Thank you all for listening today. Hopefully you gained a secret or two that can be applied as your journey continues. 
If you are motivated and excited after listening to Keith and Ricky, please subscribe to our podcast, share with friends, and donate via Patreon. Check us out at www.secrets.com to get more information about our secret services. Until next time, cheers. Cheers.